The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Thursday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you. Glad you are with us on the field. Workouts have begun at the NFL Scouting Combine. Boy, a couple of Georgia Bulldogs made some money today. We'll tell you about that coming up in just a little bit. Actually, a Florida Gator also looked very good in on-the-field drills this evening up in Indianapolis. We will talk a lot of NFL Scouting Combine coming up in about 45 minutes. Jason Cole, longtime NFL writer. He's a pro football Hall of Fame voter. He's now without kick. Jason Cole will join us at about 845. Coming up about 20 minutes from right now, former Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley. Bees performed in the combine. Bees was a free agent at one point. I want to talk with Aaron Beasley about both of those things. The combine going on right now, free agency a week and a half from now. What's the mindset of players as they get set to hit the free agent market in about 10 days? So we got a ton to do. We're with you till 10 o'clock, Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we kick it off with a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No big deal. It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. Okay, it is a pretty big deal. It is being reported by numerous outlets that the Jaguars are planning on putting the franchise tag on Evan Ingram if a deal cannot be reached by next Tuesday, March the 7th. That, of course, is the franchise tag deadline. It was thought all along that the Jaguars wanted to retain Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram was a vital part of this football team. And that comes to fruition today as the Jaguars, again, reportedly, if they cannot reach a long-term deal with Evan Ingram, will place the franchise tag on him. That gives them basically until the middle part of July to come to terms on a long-term deal. If you don't come to terms, I believe, by July 15th, right before training camp, then Evan Ingram would play on the one-year franchise tag like a Mike Gesicki did last year in Miami like Dalton Schultz, the tight end of the Cowboys, did last year in Dallas. Of course, Evan Ingram had a career year. He was a huge part of the Jaguar offense, and there was no better definition of that than back on December the 11th in Nashville, Tennessee, when Evan Ingram just absolutely torched the Tennessee Titans. Shotgun for Trevor Lawrence. It's a blitz. I mean, it is an all-out blitz. Trevor fires left side. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown by Evan Ingram in the left corner of the end zone. Are you kidding me? The Jags have extended the lead. That was Frank Frangie on the call. Jaguars radio right here on 1010XL. Back on December the 11th, Evan Ingram, 73 catches, 766 yards, four touchdowns. You'd like to see the touchdown number go up, but... I am totally fine with what Evan Ingram did last year. He set career best single season marks for Jacksonville Jaguar tight ends in team history. The most catches, 73. 
the most receiving yards, 766. Again, Calvin Ridley is going to get reinstated. By all accounts, that will not be a problem. The NFL will at some point reinstate Calvin Ridley. So now you go to the line of scrimmage on opening day, 2023. Trevor Lawrence in the shotgun. Standing next to him is Travis Etienne. Your three wide receivers, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, with now Evan Ingram in the slot or with his hand on the ground at tight end. I need a cigar, Denmark, thinking about that. That's almost exhausting, thinking about how much fun that's going to be. This offense is going to score. This offense is going to score in a big, big way. Let me throw something at you as well. You know, we're talking a lot about Jawan Taylor and how Jawan Taylor, if he's not re-signed, well, Walker Little will just slide out to right tackle. Cam Robinson comes back in to left tackle. What if there's a scenario, and I don't have any inside information. I'm just a guy that thinks about things every day. May talk to a couple of people without any inside information, but we brainstorm. So come along on this brainstorming journey with me. What if the idea, now they're running out of time to do it. Time is fading on this idea, but again, we're brainstorming here. What if the idea was to get Evan Ingram figured out Now word comes out that they're going to cut or trade Shaq Griffin. More on that in just a moment. That saves an additional $13 million. You restructured all those contracts already. By the way, one of those contracts that wasn't restructured was re-signed with C.J. Beathard, backup quarterback to Trevor Lawrence. He joined XL Primetime today. We'll get to those comments here in just a moment. But what if the idea was to get Ingram figured out financially, you then cut Griffin, save an additional $13 million, and you dump that and maybe a little more into re-signing Jawan Taylor with the idea being Walker Little is your left tackle, Jawan Taylor is your right tackle, and Cam Robinson is either traded, released, or moved inside to left guard. Cam Robinson's entering year number seven. Cam Robinson now has a torn ACL in his history. He has a torn meniscus in his injury history. Meanwhile, Walker Little, yes, a torn ACL in college, but he's only coming into year three, coming into his prime. Jawan Taylor is, what, 25, 26 years old. If you had the option of Cam Robinson at left tackle and Walker Little at right tackle, or if you had the option of Walker Little at left tackle and Jawan Taylor at right tackle, which would you choose? Now, again, I don't know the Jaguars are thinking this. I have a hunch it's probably crossed their mind. But again, July 7th, or July, March 7th is coming soon. And if you have to use the franchise tag on Evan Ingram and you don't necessarily know how that contract's going to work, do you have enough information and financial capability than to give Jawan Taylor what he wants? I know they don't want to lose Jawan Taylor. How could you? 
only four years in the league. He's never missed a start, played his best year last year. He's going to get some money on the open market. I really, really hope he stays here in Jacksonville, although, you know, look, that might be naive. If you re-sign Evan Ingram, you re-sign Arden Key, Jawan Taylor walks. I still think it's a good offseason, not a great, but a good one. But again, everybody's just considering moving Walker Little to right tackle, having Cam Robinson come back at left. My question is, would it be better for the team to have Walker Little remain at left tackle where he finished the season, re-sign Jawan Taylor, put him at right tackle, and then figure out what to do with Cam Robinson? We'll see what happens. But for the here and now, Evan Ingram is the big story, as it's being reported that if the Jaguars cannot reach a long-term deal, that he will get the franchise tag, much like Cam Robinson got it back-to-back years. Now to the Shaq Griffin part of this. NFL Network, I believe James Palmer of the NFL Network. Let me check that just because I want to give credit to the right person. Tweeted out, oh, about an hour ago, that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to reportedly release or attempt to trade Shaq Griffin. It would save them $13 million against the salary cap. And my response to that is, yeah, that's very, very much expected in these parts. There's no reason to think that would not happen. And I don't know why that's necessarily a big story. Oh, by the way, Jeremy Fowler, my apologies. Jeremy Fowler had this from ESPN. James Palmer, also a very good reporter. But Jeremy Fowler had the Jaguars plan to release or try to trade Shaq Griffin. This is nothing against Shaq Griffin, all right? Nice guy. Talked to him a few times. He's from the state of Florida. Balled out at UCF. This is not an anti-Shaq Griffin sentiment for the person that he is. The player that he is, he was terrible last year. He was terrible. Wasn't any good. You were paying huge money to a guy that cost you the Indianapolis game on the road. I mean, he flat out just didn't cover Alec Pierce that entire game and got beat for a bomb touchdown with 20 seconds to go. Most of us have tried to block out September and October from our memory banks because the season was much more fun after Thanksgiving. But I haven't blocked out how awful Shaq Griffin was. He then goes on injured reserve, and that whole thing was weird, right? After the Indianapolis game, of which he played the entire game, he was out there with 20 seconds to go because he was the guy that got beat for the winning touchdown. He then gets hurt on, like, the Wednesday after that game, and you never see him again. Is that odd? Is that strange? Yeah. I'd say it probably is. So, yeah, you're going to release Shaq Griffin, and you're going to save $13 million. The idea of trading that guy for what? What is somebody going to give you for Shaq Griffin and that contract? A ham sandwich and a can of corned beef hash? I mean, what are you honestly going to get for him? A gift card to a blockbuster video? Yeah, it's about what he's worth because they don't exist anymore. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're not going to trade Shaq Griffin. And if any team offers you anything for Shaq Griffin, you take it. 
If you get a 2028 seventh round pick for Shaq Griffin, you take it. Because you're going to have to release him anyway. Again, nothing against Shaq the person. But Shaq the player just wasn't very good last year. In fact, he was bad. Trent Baalke has been awesome in free agency. Awesome. You could legitimately argue they've signed 11 big free agents and he's 10 for 11. He hit on Roy Robertson Harris. He hit on Rayshon Jenkins. He hit on all eight guys last year. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Brandon Sheriff, Arden Key, Darius Williams, Foye Aluakin, Foley Fadakasi. Balky hit on all of them. The one guy he missed on in free agency was Shaq Griffin. It was a bad signing. Is it Hugh Douglas, Jerry Porter-esque? Nick Foles-esque? No. But he's in the top 10. Shaq Griffin's absolutely one of the 10 worst free agents the Jaguars have brought to Jacksonville. It did not work out here for whatever reason. Now, he's still relatively young. He can rebound. He can go somewhere else, a change of scenery, and maybe he'll flourish, and I hope he does. Nothing against the guy personally. But in a Jaguar uniform, no, did not work out. Bad signing. Trade for him. If you get anything for that guy, you do it right now. (laughs) I just cannot imagine a scenario where a team would give you something for Shaq Griffin, knowing you got to release him anyway. So you save that $13 million. I went to the spot track earlier. The Jaguars, with all these restructuring, according to some of these websites, are about $16 million now under the cap. And that doesn't count Shaq Griffin. If you release Shaq Griffin, that's $13 million more. All of a sudden, you're somewhere $25 to $30 million under the cap. That's awesome. That's absolutely amazing. Some of that cap money, not a lot of it, but some, was used on backup quarterback C.J. Beathard, who the Jacksonville Jaguars re-signed last week. You hope C.J. Beathard never takes a snap for the Jaguars, but what he is, he's familiar surroundings. He's Trevor Lawrence's guy. He's been in that quarterback room with Trevor his entire career. He makes Trevor Lawrence comfortable. That's what it's all about. And if Trevor were to go down, you could do a lot worse at backup quarterback than C.J. Beathard. He joined. XL primetime earlier today, and CJ was asked on what he does to help Trevor Lawrence during the season. Trevor and I have a great relationship. He has 100% trust in me. I got 100% trust in him. So he's, I'm not just trying to tell him stuff he wants to hear when he comes off the field. And if it's something that I think that he missed or could work on, I'm, I'm like, hey, dude, remember this. I'm not, you know, I'm mean about it or anything, but hey, remember. You know, they, they have a tendency to do this. And, you know, if you see this, think of this and all that type of stuff. Yeah, I love it. I love it. C.J. Beathard is a guy that knows. He's got a good gig. He's making a lot of money. Doesn't – I mean, he wants to play. Certainly, he's a competitor. But backup quarterback in the NFL, it's one of the best jobs you could have. Ask our guy Shane Matthews in Gainesville. Ask Casey Weldon, the former Florida State Seminole. Ask these guys that played 10, 11, 12 years in the league, getting paycheck after paycheck after paycheck, not having the wear and tear on their body. Backup quarterback in the NFL, you could do a lot worse than that. C.J. Beathard was also asked today on XL Primetime just how the Jaguars did that last year, how they turned their season around. We didn't feel like a 4-8 team. 
Uh, I remember sitting in team meetings. Doug would always just preach to us, man, guys, until we are physically out of this thing, you know, he would always put up all the scenarios. Hey, we can still win the division. We can still make playoffs and all this and that. And he was very optimistic about that. And that just fed over into the players, into the locker room. You know, guys had good attitudes going out to practice each and every day. And I think early in the year, a lot of our losses were real close losses, real tight finishes. So, I mean, we knew we we were going to get over that hump. It was just a matter of when. There you go. If you want to hear the full interview, go to 1010XL On Demand. Good job by Primetime getting C.J. Beathard on today. We're going to have former Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley joining us here on Hacker After Dark in less than five minutes. So, one of the big storylines of the Jaguar offseason apparently has been figured out. Evan Ingram is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar in 2023. Whether it's on a long-term deal or the franchise tag, he's not going anywhere. Check that one off. Now you turn your attention to Jawan Taylor. Now you turn your attention to Arden Key, Andrew Wingard, Chris Manhurts, Dewan Smoot, other guys that are unrestricted free agents. Again, negotiations begin in 10 days. 10 days is when you can start negotiating and you can put pen to paper in less than two weeks as NFL free agency gets underway. Let's take a little bit of a poll on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. You have the option, and maybe we'll put this on Twitter as well. Your option is Cam Robinson at left tackle and Walker Little at right tackle, or your option is Walker Little at left tackle and Jawan Taylor at right tackle. What would you want? What's your ideal scenario? 641-1010 on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Your text coming up. Also, let's go down memory lane, but let's talk about the current crop of Jacksonville Jaguars, the season that was in 2022, the combine, free agency, one of the best to ever wear, a Jaguar uniform, a friend Aaron Beasley. He's next on a Thursday night edition of Hacker After Dark. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Now, hello. another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Boy, the Super Bowl just ended about two plus weeks ago. Yeah, we're already full swing into the NFL offseason, the scouting combine going on in Indianapolis, NFL free agency less than two weeks away. That is hard to believe. Let's talk to a guy that has lived that life, one of the best defensive backs to ever play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, number 21 in your program, number one in our hearts. That's our guy Aaron Beasley, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Aaron, how we doing, man? I'm all good, man. Uh keeping up with football because it never ends <laughs> uh just looking at all this news and seeing what moves are going to be made so i can get ready for fantasy football next year <laughs> <laughs> you and me both believe me you and me both aaron when you were a player i, I know that the news cycle is different now than it was then but did you keep up with what the jaguars were doing in free agency or when you moved on to to new york did you immerse yourself in that or did you not bother with it and when you showed back up in April 
that's when you met your new teammates? Um, I used to because I'm just a sports junkie, so it's a little different with me. A lot of guys aren't into the games like I am, um, but I always like to keep keep watching what's going on because, you know, like when you see guys move to your division, you want to know who you're going against. I start getting early on the film because, like, one of my things was always being ahead of the game and just knowing your opponent. So I used to keep up on everything. I'm I'm just a football junkie. Former Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley. Aaron, you were part of some great teams here in Jacksonville. Unfortunately, though, every great team you were on had their season come to an end at some point in the playoffs. And I'm curious, now we're five and a half, almost six weeks removed from that loss to Kansas City. The current crop of Jaguars, are they over that loss? Have they turned the page yet, or are they still simmering about what could have been six weeks ago? Oh, no, they, they're on to the next season right now. Um, once the Super Bowl's over, it's just a refocus. You know, um, a lot of times guys take a couple weeks off um, just, to, just to get their bodies, you know, some rest. Um, some guys keep on working. But uh, mainly after the Super Bowl, everybody just kind of shuts it down and just thinks about what's what's next, uh, working on your weaknesses and actually getting ready for camp. And just, I mean, you start training now because these guys now with the science and the sports science, you get with the right trainer, they just know how to program you to make you peak at certain, at certain times. So a lot of these guys go to uh, personal trainers like Arizona. There's a lot. Uh, there's an Exos out there and, and guys go places and just get ready. Aaron, what was your opinion on Trevor Lawrence at the end of the year? How much did he improve from, say, October to where he finished in January? Man, I, I feel like he went from a mid-half, you know, the, the bottom half to, like, probably a top eight quarterback. Um, you could just see the confidence. Uh, you could just see him getting rid of the ball on time, and that's the key. When you watch football and you see the guys like Brady and Manning uh, when you see those guys, they get rid of the ball. It's not about, you know, trying to extend it too much, you know, trying to make every play a big play. You still want to stay in the rhythm of the offense, and you can see him just improve on that, you know, just taking what you get, and if it's not there, run, get five yards, and get better with your slide. That's all I ask. <laughs> Former Jaguar DB Aaron Beasley here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Aaron, same question, different side of the ball. Let's talk about your specialty defensive uh the, the the defense in particular the defensive back room I gotta tell you man some struggles early but it appeared to me that the defense got a heck of a lot better towards the end of the year what was your thought on them I mean it's it's growth you know it's a young defense I mean we had a couple of vets but you don't see one of those nine-year vets that can pull the guys together but what I did see is them becoming a cohesive unit where, you know, you play with each other long enough, you start learning each other's nuances and you know how to play with each other. So, but my main thing is like just improving on that, uh, sticking together. Uh, I just talked to Darius Williams. I was at a uh, coaching uh, leadership academy and he was there and, and we were just talking about, you know, gr get right back into the grind because, you're still hungry from, you know, that taste of that playoff loss sticks with you and you're just going to work harder. So I talked to him about that. He's he's ready to come grind down here with uh, uh, Cisco and and, and uh, number two. I keep calling Jenkins. But I feel like if we get another corner in there, that would be pretty good too, you know. That's what I was looking at. 
drafting a corner. <laughs> well, look, there's certainly some talk about that. You got Tyson Campbell. You got Darius Williams. They do probably need a third guy. Aaron, as we move forward now, there's three guys prevalently that the fan base really wants back here in Jacksonville. Jawan Taylor, Arden Key, and, of course, Evan Ingram. From your mm-hmm. standpoint, um, and I know, you know you're a defensive guy, so maybe that might lead you to Arden Key. I'm curious, but – how would you rate those guys, Aaron, guys that need to be back for the Jaguars to be successful in 2023, Ingram, Taylor, Key? How would you assess those guys? Well, I hate to put it that I'm, like, knocking anyone in, in that group because I, I feel like they're all important. But in order, I would say uh, Evan Ingram, just because of the the matchups that he creates, and what he can do with the ball and, you know, putting a linebacker on him is a mismatch. So I feel like that opens up everything for our offense. Uh, next, I would have Taylor uh, just because our line plays so well and we get Robinson back. Uh, I feel like they played so good. I mean, that's you see why we let rid of James Robinson go. You know, that's the reason was because uh, Etienne was, you know, doing his thing. But um, after that, I would go at Arden Key. I feel like Arden Key – he brings that energy that we need. He brings that passion, and he's he's just like always just on fire. And you need that kind of guy on your team and in your locker room. And that's one thing with a young team. When I said earlier, you do need vets that can like bring guys together that been through the wars and the battles. So I, I wouldn't mind having all three of them back. I don't know if we can do it, but uh, hopefully we can. You know, Aaron, it's interesting. You were a free agent in the National Football League. Free agency begins in less than two weeks. Both Evan Ingram and Arden Key have stated publicly that they would love to be back here in Jacksonville. And and the Jaguars certainly have made it very, very well known, particularly with Ingram, that they want him back. Like you said, they would love to have all three guys back. But when a player goes public and says, yeah, I want to be back here, um, what does that do to the negotiation? Will a player talk to his agent and say, hey, Obviously, I want to make the most money imaginable, but let's let's try to get something done here with the place that I want to be at. Does any of that ever happen, Aaron? Uh, yeah, it does because some guys just are comfortable in the system that they're playing in. Uh, they're happy with where they live. Um, and, you know, transition is like, it's, it's tough, you know. It was me going from Jacksonville to New York was like culture shock to me, you know. <laughs> I, I made the yeah. choice, but at the same time, it was like, you know, the media, I didn't realize how bad that media was. I mean, it's not bad, but it's just like it's never ending up there. And I feel like it's a lot of it's just on the player and what he wants. Does he want to stay here and build something and take less money? Or does he want to go for the money and go to another team that he's starting over? And, I mean, that's that's the choice you always have to make. Mine was a little different because I was released. Uh, I never wanted to leave. But, you know, the thing is you, you make the decision on – winning or money. So I feel like with them guys saying that, I feel like they would take a, a less money. But at the same time, the money's so good now, I wouldn't complain about any of it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of more for former Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley. Aaron, you kind of answered this, but, you know, a broader question. Uh, there are hundreds of guys that are about to become free agents in, what are we, 12, 11 days from now. What's what's it like, you know, impending free agency? What are the conversations like? Are you in daily communication with your agent? 
I mean, how much back and forth is there between the team you're currently on? Kind of take us behind the curtain. What's going on a week and a half before free agency opens? Well, you know, you kind of look at rosters. One thing, you, you want to go somewhere where it's a good system where you fit, um, the style of play. Um, I, like, I was I wasn't one of those guys that was after big contract. I just love football. I didn't care about it. I told my agent, just give me somewhere, let me play. But um, I think now, like, at my age, if I was a little, like, in my ninth year looking, looking at a team, it would probably be trying to go somewhere where I can fit in and win a championship. Uh, be a veteran uh, that's one thing you know it's, it's tough because you know when I was um, after my year with the Jets my second year I got released I was a free agent and I was looking at teams and it was like some of the guys some of the coaches like the one problem that they see with a lot of guys that are like former starters is the ego check of not starting and, and being able to you know be a nickelback or you know not get all the reps that you used to get so that was one thing that was different to me, you know, going from a starter for eight years and then going to a team and being a backup. But, you know, a lot of guys look, looking for a championship. I was lucky we made it to the NFC championship when I was with the Atlanta Falcons. So I picked a good team, uh, just finished my career there in Atlanta. But, you know, just go somewhere, play ball and try to win a championship. That's what I'd be looking at. Aaron, right now the combine going on up in Indianapolis. You were a draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Back in 1996, I still say, between Kevin Hardy, Tony Brackens, and you, it's hard to find three better players in one draft than the Jaguars got in 1996. What are your memories of the scouting combine? Obviously a lot different now than it was uh, back then, I'm assuming, but take us back to 1996. What was that process like? Uh, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, I went there – didn't ask any questions of any former West Virginia guys. I just kind of went on my own and it was just, you know, seeing all the guys you, you, uh, you see on, on the field at the same time and, and same positions, you're kind of you're looking at people. You're like, okay, let me see what he got. My thing was, I knew I wasn't going to run a fast 40. I, I wasn't a, a 40 guy. I was long distance. I could run, but just not 40, but just watching some of the guys, I would just, gonna go up there and you know my mentality was I'm gonna show them how I, I look at the game how my instincts you know everybody has their own gift when you play this game and I, I felt like my gift was just my instincts and, and being able to you know trust it and you know being able to be around coaches and it was amazing to me because I'm, I'm telling you I'm a big football fan since birth <laughs> and being in there with coaches I'm almost in all of these guys Belichick asking me all these questions and you know you, you get that 400 question uh I forget what that test is called but it's 400 questions oh the wonder the thing, yeah the wonder leg yeah, yeah man it's like and they trick you they give you the same question like three times to see if you're really paying attention <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it's funny man I heard some of those stories but it was pretty cool because you know it was like you meet guys that you've never met and like I, I became close friends with Walter uh, Walt Harris who played a long time uh, Steven Davis, uh, one of my teammates was up there. And actually, it was so funny that me and my roommate actually both got drafted by the Jaguars, John Fisher. So we ended up being roommates at the um, the Combine. and He got drafted in the seventh round. I got drafted in the fourth, third round. It was pretty cool. And uh, that, that's one of the memories. That was the first time I met John Fisher. We became good friends after that. And, you 
know, we still stay in contact. So, I mean, you, you meet guys and you see guys. Uh, who's the one guy? Ke- Keyshawn. Keyshawn was there. He wasn't working out. He he already knew he was going to be the number one pick. And it's uh, he's a cool guy though, man. He's he seems like he's a uh, arrogant but he's just he just he's always testing people and that's what he is he's always like testing you to see what kind of person you are i figured him out but uh it's all good man it was you know i met i met um kevin before the uh combine so me and kevin met each other up there again it was pretty cool it was, I, I there's a lot of good memories just being around you know like my class you think of the guys in my class who's that the first pick is uh Keyshawn. then we got kevin then we got Jonathan Ogden. We got Ray Lewis. We got Marvin Harrison. I mean, we had Bruschi. We had Zach Thomas. We had a pretty good class, man. So I think about our class was one of the best ever. Yeah, there's no question about that. Final question here for Jaguar defensive back, former Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley. Aaron, you, you touched on it then, but I think fans would be interested in this because you obviously have the perspective. We see the what goes on on the field, right? They're, they'll be starting to televise it on Thursday and – We'll watch the 40-yard dash and the vertical jump and all the drills and whatnot, but it's the behind-the-scenes stuff, right? I'm sure you did countless interviews there, the medical stuff they do. They poke and prod you all week long. I mean, how much of what we don't see on TV actually goes on up there in Indianapolis? Man, it's it's even deeper than that because, you know, you know these there's a lot of money at stake when they, when they sign uh, – guy out of college so they really go and do their due diligence and i uh i heard stories about how there were nfl guys going to my um elementary principal asking questions <laughs> like <laughs> like they really go and dig deep because you know this is this is a billion dollar industry so um that and the medical uh i was cool because luckily i didn't have any injuries so i didn't have to go through all those tests but i seen guys get pulled out and have to go take x-rays and mris again um, the, uh, we had to do a, oh, that machine that you work your strength of your legs. I mean, you got to do that before you go run a 40 and it's like, man, I already did like 10 workouts in one, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, it's a process. Like these guys just want to know everything about you. They want to know your mentality. They want to know what you think about certain plays, certain players. Uh, they ask questions that you never would think of just because everything is, you know, mentality up there i mean everybody's going to be a great player but they want to know what are you going to do in certain situations how will you react and they try to build build off of that from your character yeah it's crazy over 350 prospects going up to indianapolis this week for the nfl scouting combine aaron beasley one of the best defensive backs to ever wear a jaguar uniform aaron as always man thank you for the time we certainly appreciate it let's chat again closer to draft time we'll see how the Jaguars did in free agency at that point. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Have a great day, Ryan. Talk to you. There you go. Aaron Beasley, always kind enough to join us here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. You look by the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. Maybe that's because I'm a fantasy football nerd, but I do enjoy numbers. Aaron Beasley, second all-time Jaguar history and interceptions. I'd be curious how many of you could rattle off the top five. I'm going to do it for you right now, so it'll be a an exercise if you want to turn down the radio for 10 seconds, but please come back. Love to have you back after I do this. Number one is pretty easy, right? And this, is, this might not ever be caught. 28 years of Jaguar football, and this guy has lapped the field in interceptions, and that's Rasheen Mathis. 
30 interceptions in a Jaguar uniform. He's number one. Aaron Beasley, number two, with 15. So Beasley, just half of what Rasheen did. Number three, Donovan Darius with 14. Number four, you could guess for a long time, and you might not get this, the pride of William and Mary, Derek Cox, ranks fourth all-time in Jaguar interceptions with 12. And then finally, Paul Pazlesny, number five with 11. If you're wondering where Jalen Ramsey is, he's right underneath that, tied with Telvin Smith, nine interceptions at number six. But again, thank you to Aaron Beasley. Love that perspective of a guy that did the combine in the mid to late 90s, what it was then compared to what it is today. Big news of the day, it appears Evan Ingram will be getting the franchise tag. That is the reports out if the Jaguars cannot reach a long-term deal. To go along with the thought that water is wet, we also found out this evening reports out from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that Shaq Griffin will be either cut or traded in the next couple of days. Again, you offer me a seventh rounder in 2047, I would take it. No one's going to offer you anything for Shaq Griffin. I'd, I'd be shocked. If you got anything for Shaq Griffin, you'll release him. You'll save $13 million against the cap. He'll go his way, and the Jaguar organization will go theirs. We're going to go the way of Jason Cole, longtime NFL writer. He's now without kick. He is a pro football Hall of Fame voter. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk a little Anthony Richardson. Boy, Anthony Richardson making a lot of noise up at the Combine He doesn't even get on the field for workouts until Saturday night. We'll talk Jags. We'll talk Anthony Richardson with Jason Cole next on Hacker After Dark. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. You know, quickly before we get to Jason Cole, I mentioned this guy earlier in the week here on Hacker After Dark, Nolan Smith from the University of Georgia. And, well, Hacker, if the Jaguars take him at 24, where would he play? You drafted Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma, and you got other needs. And, yeah, you know, I don't know where he would play. But I'm willing to find out where he would play on this defense. Did you see what Nolan Smith did today in the combine? He ran a 4-3-9 40-yard dash. At first, it was a 4 4 and then the NFL changed it to an official 4-3-9. His vertical jump was outstanding. Nolan Smith made a lot of money today. And when you combine his athleticism, his playing ability, with the type of young man that he is, you ever listen to that kid talk? How intelligent he is about the game of football? How just... I've been impressed with him since he was recruited. By Georgia. I talked to him when I worked for Gridiron now, what, three, four years ago, I guess. And I was impressed with him then. And I just continued to be unbelievably impressed with Nolan Smith. Unfortunately, what he did today, he probably won't be there at 24. I would doubt he'll be there. But if he is, man, best player available, I would not have any problem at all if the Jaguars drafted Nolan Smith out of the University of Georgia. Jason Cole, outkick. He's also a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. He's always kind enough to join us right here on Hacker After Dark. Now, 
Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. We're very interested here in Jacksonville about Joe Burrow and about Justin Herbert. They're up for extensions. Obviously, whatever they get, particularly Herbert, is probably what Trevor Lawrence is going to ask for and then some next offseason. What are you hearing about Herbert and Burrow, and how high could those numbers get? Well, I mean, the average is going to start somewhere at 50, right? So 50 and go north and ask yourself how much guarantee is going to be in that. I mean, is it a 10-year, $500 million deal, or do they say, hey, look, I'd like to hit the market one more time and, you know, like maybe take a five-year deal at, at you know, $280 million to, you know, dollars or something like that. Um, <laughs> and, and so that I can hit the market one more time where I'll take a little bit less on the guarantee. Who knows what it's going to look like, but you know, it's going to be expensive. And by the time, you know, by the time a year from now, when, um, you know, when you've got to negotiate again, look, the number's probably going to start at 52, 53, 54, something in that area. I mean, what was Deshaun's, Deshaun Watson's deal? What's the average on that one? Is it 52 on that one? Yeah. I can't all, remember. And it's all guaranteed, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's going to look, it's going to be north of that for those guys. So it's going to be north and, and Burrow's probably going to get a full guarantee, which is going to be really hard for the Bengals to swallow, um, or they're going to have to come up with different language. And Justin Herbert's going to be a challenge for, for the Chargers in terms of full guarantee because, as I, you know, it's a little-known thing that when you fully guarantee a contract, you have to put all of that money in escrow. Um, so you're an owner, and if you've got, you know, you, you guarantee $210 million, that money has to go into an escrow account until it's completely paid off. So you're basically, you know, parking a lot of cash. Um, and so for some owners, they can do that. For some other owners, they can't. Um, or, you know, I'm not saying they can't because, you know, we're all talking – we're talking about, you know, they own businesses that are worth on, on average four and a half billion dollars. So the money's there, but it's harder for some than it is for others. Jason Cole of Outkick here with us on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Jason, I want to end with the Jaguars before we get there. Anthony Richardson, a guy you're very familiar with, a guy that's going to probably hold court up at the Combine this week. He is scheduled to throw in all the drills. That's what's being reported. I believe that because his quarterback coach, Denny Thompson, here on our air last week told us as much that he's going to be throwing at the Combine. What's the talk around the league, Jason, at least in your circles, about Anthony Richardson and his pro prospects? Well, look, at this kind of event, I mean, this this event's built for Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, he's going to look like an Adonis. I mean, the man—the man's a Greek god in terms of what he looks like um, and how he's going to run, and he'll throw it fine. Um, I mean, like guys are going to go; their their jaws are going to drop if they haven't already seen Anthony Richardson in uniform. When they see him in this, like, I mean, this is a very Freudian kind of experience for 
for uh, for scouts. I mean, it's it's a little disturbing, you know, how much they're going to be attracted. Um, but <laughs> but you know, like that's how this works, right? The the issue with Anthony Richardson, and this is a really from yeah, everybody I know in Gainesville who knows the kid, he's a great kid, wonderful kid. It's the kind of guy that you want, uh, you know, around you, you know, running your team and all those kinds of things. That doesn't mean he's a quarterback yet. He's had 400 throws at the college level. I think less than 400 throws since he played half a season of of his senior year in high school for a not very good high school program. And I say that, and that hurts me to say that because, because both of my sons went to East side high school. Okay. So I say that with, a grimace, okay, about the the quality of the high school program that he played at, okay? So you're talking about a kid who has very, very, very little experience playing a real style of quarterback, let alone a style of quarterback that portends to NFL success. He has to go to a team, I, I hope this happens, where – he can be like Aaron Rodgers early in his career and had to sit for a few years or like Jordan love right now, sit for a couple of years. If he goes to a place and ends up playing by his second year, like Tim Tebow, right. Did famously and played too early before his mechanics could be fixed before he learned to read defenses on a more complex level before he got into an offense that was more situated toward throwing. He's, I don't know that he's going to make it. And so this is, a, this is, to me, the hottest debated quarterback in all of this is Anthony Richardson and what this is going to happen because he's going to look like a $50 million player in the eyes of scouts. But when he plays, the experience level does not match the hype. And, look, he's so up and down. I mean, on the Tennessee game last year, and the Missouri game last year. Same quarterback, same offense, two completely different. Um, well, because cause he hasn't played. Yeah, because yeah. He, I mean, it's it's not – he's inconsistent because he should be inconsistent if you haven't played that much. Like, he's basically a freshman in college in terms of experience, in terms of total number of throws. It's just not – it's not fair to the kid. But I understand why he's going pro – and he's, somebody's going to draft him very high. And, and, and that's all okay. But the question is, does that team have a plan for how to solve what you just talked about at the pro level, which is even harder? There's no question about it. Final moment, Jason Cole. Leave us with this. The Jaguars coming into this offseason. Normally, they're the team that no one talks about, Jason. And now, all of a sudden, they've been thrust into a spotlight where I'm not sure any publication will not pick them to win the AFC South coming into 2023. From your experience covering the league, how will a team handle that from whatever you want to call it, the hunter to the hunted, whatever verbiage you want to describe? How do teams handle that more often than not? Um, it depends on how mature your leadership is. And I tend to think that, you know, having watched Trevor Lawrence for a couple of years now and sort of the level-headed approach, like he had a very kind of level-headed approach even during the worst of the Urban Meyer chaos, right? 
and he, you know, like he even said things that made it clear that Urban wasn't ready to be a head coach, but he said them in a way that was incredibly professional, right? And made it clear like there needed to be change. And this year you heard him talk about the things that he needed to improve upon, you know, and the responsibility he took. And so if he takes that same kind of approach to say, look, you know, great second year for, for all of us, made the playoffs, but we, we're not there yet. And we have these steps. And here's the plan that we're going to follow as laid out by the head coach, right? You have a head coach who understands what the process is about. I think if you get the buy, you know, you have a leader, who, you have a coach who knows what needs to be done, and you have a very important leader who knows how to follow that plan, then you have a chance to really get there and dominate that division the way I think that they can dominate probably for the next three to five years minimum and depending on what happens with the quarterbacks in that division, right? Like you don't know who's going to end up with what at quarterback and how that's going to change the division going forward. But for right now, Trevor Lawrence is the only clear franchise quarterback in that division, right? So to me, Jacksonville is the only clear, consistent, competitive team in that division and should be able to dominate it for a while. So they've got some things to do. Like, they're not going to be big shoppers in free agency, it doesn't look like. And they've got to figure out, you know, the Ingram situation. you got three wide receivers who are all making – I'm not going to say too much money. Kirk, Kirk, you know, they're making what they deserve to make. But you can't hold three guys like that, right, who are all making $10 million plus and one of them making $20 million. It just doesn't work under your cap situation. And, and you have to figure out how are you going to keep guys like that, keep weapons like that, and feed Trevor Lawrence and make sure that he's got plenty of guys around him to help him out while at the same time keeping your cap under control. And it takes some, it takes some cap gymnastics, basically. And we saw Trent Baalke already do some of those gymnastics this weekend. Foyer Lubicon restructured to knock $10 million off the cap. They're going to have to do that, certainly, to a couple of more guys. Jason Cole, the NFL scouting combine going on up in Indy. Jason, know you're busy. Thank you for taking time out. Let's do this again after free agency. We'll see where the Jaguars have landed. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Nine o'clock hour has arrived. Hacker after dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. You know, we're talking so much about the combine, and that's going to continue. Spring football for Florida and Florida State get underway in the next couple of days. The Gators have spring practice number one on Saturday. Florida State spring practice number one next Monday. My man Brent Beard, you see him on First Coast News. You also get him right here with me on Hacker After Dark. We'll talk storylines heading into Florida and Florida State spring practice coming up inside of a half an hour. Coming up next, let's go back to Indianapolis. Frank Frangie, you get him every afternoon on the Frangie Show here on 1010XL. And, of course, he is the play-by-play voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk free agency. Let's talk Anthony Richardson. Let's talk combine with Frank Frangie on a Thursday night edition of Hacker After Dark with Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you here on 1010XL 
and 92.5 FM. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The month of March has arrived, the NFL Scouting Combine in full swing. In fact, on the field work began earlier today and will continue throughout the weekend. And of course, we are only a week and a half away from NFL free agency. Let's go up to Indianapolis. Frank Frangie, the play-by-play voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, you also hear him every day, every afternoon here on the Frangie Show on 1010XL. He joins us up at the Scouting Combine. Frank, how we doing? I'm doing great, Heck. Uh, how are you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. A fun, this is a fun event. I love coming up here. Get to see all my play-by-play buddies from around the division, around the league. I get to talk to some of these players. Uh, I had Doug Peterson and Trent Balky both on for an extended period a couple days ago. So, yeah, it's a fun time to get up here. It really is. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I was talking to Jason Cole earlier in the week, a guy that's covered the league for years and years and years. And we were talking about the Combine, say, 20 years ago, to what it's become today, Frank, it's night and day. It really is. And, you know, Hacker, it's it's you know, it's like anything else. The bigger something becomes, the more of a media event it becomes, the more kind of hard it is to control, right? So I'm not sure they completely have it right. Radio Row has changed. Now everybody's here. NBC's here. Uh, CBS is here. ESPN, of course, is here. NFL Network is here. So they've got to try and manage it. But still, the most important thing is seeing the players. I talked to Kevin Kaplan yesterday. He was on our show, the team doctor. Uh, they, he, he is going to literally interview 300 players. I mean, ta- every injury they've ever had. He told me, you know, if, if, if you broke your finger and when you were 13 years old, you got to tell them about it here. So that's really the main reason they do that. It's become a media event. But honestly, Hacker, it's for the medical and the coaches uh, to really see these players that they're about to invest millions in. Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jaguars and the host of the Frangie Show here on 1010XL, here with us on Hacker After Dark. All right, Frank, you had exclusive interviews with Doug Peterson and with Trent Balky on your program earlier this week. Let's begin with Balky. I mean, what a difference a year makes from, you know, hundreds of fans in clown costumes to now Jaguar fans sending out pictures of Trent Balky and all these different terminator-esque things because of how happy they are with the job he's doing you got to feel good for a guy like Trent because he was raked over the coals unfairly and boy it looks like he's come out clean on the other side I will say at least for today you're doggone right he has and Trent has earned that I asked Trent about that I said is it time for a victory lap vindication he said nope just keep your head down I'll give him credit man he that guy he, he was vilified in town and, and nobody really – the people on the inside said, why do people hate Trent so much, you know? Why do people feel that way about him? They don't know him very well, and I know he felt that. But you know what, Hacker? You keep, keep your head down and just keep go to, and go to work, and that's what he did. I know that's a cliche, but that's what happened, man. They, he just said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this to the best of my ability. And he said something on my show that really resonated. We got talking about Shad. And Hacky said, you know, I really think Shad – for staying with me when there was all this stuff out there, all this stuff about me, he never blinked. And I don't think Trent did either. And listen, it's, it's only two years. Trent to be the first to tell you it's a, it's a, what have you done for me lately league? And you got to keep doing it. But for now, I agree with you, man. He's done, he's done a really good job. I don't know. Trent, I know Doug really well. I spent a lot of time with Doug during the season. I don't know Trent as well, but I will tell you this. I, uh, I'm real impressed with what they've done in the roster they've built. Both both through free agency and the draft, Hacker really am. Yeah, I thought it was unfair last year. My thought at the time was 
Urban's gone. Urban can't take any more of the direct bullets from the fan base. Somebody's got to get the wrath, and Balky was the last guy in the room. And because of that, that's what it was. But, like you said, the free agent hall last year, Trent Balky has done an outstanding job in the last calendar year here in Jacksonville. If you think about think about this, think about this hack, the free agents that came in and were really good players. I don't mean just that started. Well, you, you're still supposed to start. If you sign as a free agent, you're expected to start. But look, start thinking about. I mean, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and Foye Aluakon and and in the year before that, Roy Robertson Harris and Rayshon Jenkins. How many are really good players? Real players that aren't that far from being Pro Bowl players. Brandon Sheriff, I left out. Think about that. Think about how many of those guys that he signed turned out to be not just starters, but damn good players on a team that was pretty good. Think about that. It's pretty pretty bizarre if you think about it. You being a baseball guy, I think Balky went eight for eight last year in free agency. Yeah. I think there were eight think- free agency signs, and he got doubles, triples, or in you know Christian Kirk and Zay Jones' case, Evan Ingram home runs yep. on all uh, eight I guys. Don't- agree. I think he did a fantastic job and can't wait to see the next haul. All right, Doug Peterson, you also met with him. uh, AFC Coach of the Year. I saw he got that award uh, here in the last couple of days. What a job he did. And and, and look, Doug Peterson, the confidence that you saw in Indianapolis. I watched him on NFL Network. You could just get a sense, Frank, and you tell me because you interviewed him personally. They think they're going to be pretty good in 2023. At least that's the vibe that I got. Yeah, you know what he told me before last season? He said, Frank, we got a pretty good – we have a lot of talent. He said, now, it's not experienced talent. It's not talent that has been together. It's talent that has to learn how to play together, has to learn how to learn our system. But he says, just talent, we're pretty good. Well, now take all that, what I just said, and and add to that, not just pretty good, Hack, but add to that, now they do know the system. Now they do know each other. No, this is this is – these are good times. They have a good team. Look, everyone's and it's clear what they're doing too. Hack. It's clear they're keeping the band together. That, that cannot be more obvious. That, that they've they've made a clear plan to keep the band together, and and I think that's where most of the money that they're freeing up is going to go. And I can't wait to see them next year. Frank, I want to ask you about a couple of guys at the combine. But since we're on the Jaguars, let me get a quick thought on each guy from you. We are a okay. week and a half away from free agency. Let's go to Arden Key. Frank, 26. He's going to be 27 later this year before the season starts. Showed a lot last year in limited snaps. Only, I think, played less than half the snaps on defense. Your thoughts on Arden Key's future? I think he'll be on the team, but I'm not as convinced. Uh, he and Jawan, in different ways, they got, they could get outbid for those guys. I don't think so. I think, I think Arden's going to be on the team. I think he wants to be. All those guys really like that locker room. One thing this team has is nobody's trying to get over the wall, Hack. They, you know, they they got to take the best deal financially. But assuming they assuming they get the the this financial deal they want, none of those guys are trying to leave. So that helps you. I think Arden Key will be on the team. I'm not sure where the money is. I don't think they're going to play him as a, pay him as a starter. If somebody else came along and gave him starter money, then he had a decision to make. But he's bounced around enough. I, I think I think we started to see what he was in San Francisco. I, my guess is he'll be on the team. I, if I'm, I'm, I'm not as sure as I am with Ingram, but I'm guessing. And probably the most complicated one is Jawan Taylor. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I want to say I heard you on one of your shows last week. You really hope Jawan Taylor is back here because 
not to say you have concerns, but when people say, well, you just move Walker Little to right tackle and not magically that'll that'll work, you know, it might not be that easy, correct? Well, yeah, sort of. I think Walker Little would be a fine right tackle. I think he'll do just fine there. I think he'll be a fine left tackle. But, yeah, it's football hack, one twisted ankle, and then there's nobody else. I, I It's okay to have three really good tackles, and I even think Walker Little gets a look at left guard to compete with Barch. I don't think Shatley's going to be the left guard next year. So I think if they if they sign Jawan Taylor, then I think Walker Little is your insurance policy. He's your swing tackle. He's your possible left guard. I, I, the, the problem I have with people that say, well, you got Cam Robinson and Walker Little, you don't need Juwan Taylor. Well, that's fine if nobody gets hurt, mm-hmm. right? But it's football. It's football. And we saw the two teams in the Super Bowls had really good offensive lines. And so I think, and I can tell you this, it's really important to them to sign him. It's really important to them to send the message that they're going to get some guys a second contract because they haven't been very good at that. So I can tell you re-signing him is a big deal to the Jaguars. Now, look. It's, yeah, they're not going to tag him. The tag's $18 million. You're not going to give an $18 million tag to a right tackle. So if it came to that, so if somebody gives him left tackle money or someone bro- break, breaks the bank, they may not be able to keep him. But I can tell you this, they're going to try like hell to keep him. Uh, that I, I, I definitively can tell you that, act. They're going to try like hell. Final moments here with Frank Frangi, the voice of the Jaguars. You also get him every afternoon on the Frangi Show. Frank, final Jaguar-related question for now, and that's Calvin Ridley. He applied for reinstatement about two weeks ago. Uh, We know it's going to be a process, a drawn-out process. The NFL will take their time. In conversations you've had, is there a thought that by April 17th, when off-season conditioning starts, that Calvin Ridley, they'll have some clarity there? They think that they, they, he's going to get reinstated. He's on their team. They say he's in South Florida working out and is in great shape. Everybody that I talk to would be shocked if he's not on the team. They'll see how he does, but they'd be shocked if he's not working out with the team when he when he, when he he can. Bucky Brooks came on my show yesterday. Bucky's on our Jaguar broadcast, but he's also on the NFL Network, and I probably respect him as much as anybody in the business. I really do. He told me yesterday on our show that he thinks he ex- – listen to this, act that he expects Calvin Ridley to be or would not be surprised. I don't put words in his mouth. If when it's over, Calvin Ridley is the best Jag- best wide receiver in Jaguars history other than Jimmy and Keenan. Wow. He's the third best in his. Now, look, that's big talk. But but I, but I know Bucky well enough. That he's not prone to hyperbole. He's not that guy. You know, he's not a guy that just throws stuff out there. He says he's, he's an elite route runner. He's got separation speed. He's got, you know, the great receivers change gears. They're not just fast. They're fast when they have to be fast. And he's got high hopes for Calvin Ridley. I can't wait to see him. This is what I tell Jaguar fans. Not if you're driving, obviously, but if you're at your office, the comfort of your home right now. Imagine a three-wide receiver set in 2023 with Ridley, Kirk, and Zay Jones, with ETN and Lawrence and Evan Ingram on that offense. Frank, that could be something, man. Well, well, that, well, that's just it. I mean, that's the we already saw the weapons and – the, 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 you already saw what Trevor Lawrence did in year two with good but not great receivers. Really very good but not great. Well, what if you add a potentially great receiver and one more year? Remember, Tra- Travis Etienne was a rookie last year. He wasn't technically, but he really was. He never played. That was Trevor's first year in a real offense. Imagine what they can be this year if Ridley's everything they think he's going to be. No, there's every reason to be excited about what the offense will bring, no question. Hey, Frank, final question. Anthony Richardson up there, I believe he works out on Saturday. 
you know, look, maybe you can remember, I can't, at least in recent memory, the divide between the college football guys and the NFL and the NFL draft guys about a particular prospect. You talk to some college guys, they're not sure Anthony Richardson's a first-rounder. You talk right. to NFL draft guys. I had Chris right. Trapasso on my show last night at CBS Sports. He has Richardson going number one in the draft with Indianapolis right. trading up to take him. Frank, why is there a disconnect there? Why the divide between who you talk to about Anthony Richardson? Because the NFL and certain people in the NFL love traits. They love big, strong, rifle arms. And there's a lot of people in the NFL world that believe they can they can fix the other stuff. Look, I said this on my show. You know this, act. If Anthony Richardson could get through the, the playing part where he struggled a little bit and could get to the workout season, he was going to crush it. He is going to crush this thing Saturday night. He's going to commit at about 6'4", 250. He's up to 250. He's going to run 4'5". He's not going to run 4'4". He's going to run 4'5". He's going to have the strongest arm here. He's going to have to throw the ball the furthest here. If they're all going to be tight spirals, he's not going to have to read defenses. He's not going to have to make quick decisions. He's just going to work out, and he will crush that. And teams are always looking for that next big thing. It's never been harder. You know this, act. It's never been harder to find those great quarterbacks and the great quarterbacks of the teams that are good nowadays. It's ne- it, there's been – and maybe Brock Purdy's an exception this year. Maybe that's a throwback situation. But for the most part, the teams that are good have the quarterbacks. If Jalen Hurts didn't become what he became, the Eagles wouldn't have been in that game. There's a reason that the Chiefs have won two titles and going to win a bunch more. There's a reason that, that the, the Ravens are right there with them. <clears throat> the teams with the great quarterbacks. And there's a reason why everybody thinks Jacksonville is going to go on a nice little four or five year run here. You got to have quarterbacks. So you're so desperately looking for guys. And along comes Anthony, big, strong guy, great kid, by the way, hard worker, smart kid. There's nothing not to like. You know, it's not like he's not smart. It's not like he's not hard work. It's not like he's not a good guy. He's all those things. He just has to have a better knack. I don't know, Hack. If you're asking me, and I tell Denny Thompson, if Denny gets mad at me something, I don't know that my gut tells me he's got that great knack, that he's ever going to have it, the, the knack of knowing what to do. But we'll see. He's got everything else, and that's what has everybody excited. It's going to be very curious. Some A group of people are going to be very wrong, either the college yeah, guys right. or the NFL draft guys, because there's not a lot of gray area when it comes to Anthony Richardson. Frank Frangie up in Indianapolis, the voice of the Jags. Frank, great job by you, Hayes and Lauren, all week. Safe travels home, and we'll talk again soon, my friend. Okay, Hack. We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. Take care. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. Spring football, hard to believe. Florida begins on Saturday. Florida State begins on Monday as spring ball 2023 has arrived. With that, my friend Brent Beard, you see him locally here on First Coast News. You also get him weekly here on Hacker After Dark. Mr. Beard, how are you, sir? Well, I'm I'm well. I'm excited about uh, hoops, and I'm also excited about spring football, too. Auburn started Monday. Vanderbilt and uh, Missouri start um, today, as a matter of fact. So uh, Florida right around the corner, uh, as you mentioned. So uh, the, it, it is exciting to get it going. Love, love hoops, keeping up with that, too. Uh, but there, uh, March is probably an undervalued month, Hag, in a lot of ways for, for 
college sports. Oh, no, I agree. And look, the madness even started last night. I hated seeing my alma mater lose in the fashion they did, basically at the buzzer, and their season came to an end, UNF uh, losing to Bellarmine by two. But it just goes to show you how close these games are in all of these conference tournaments. Although, Brent, it will be interesting, man, because unless something very, very, very unforeseen happens, uh, both Florida and Florida State will not be dancing. And I honestly can't remember the last time that both teams – missed out on the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Castleton's injury at Florida really hurt them. I mean, they really deserve better, frankly. I mean, they could have beat Texas A&M twice, uh, and that would have made a major difference with them. FSU really is the one hack that's surprising. I mean, a team that just has been so consistent, but, boy, it's just not there this year at all, and now Miami's taking advantage of that. Uh, also, uh, it, it, to be amongst the leaders and will make the tournament. Um, but and and I tell you this too, ponder this a minute. Um, we we can't be that far along uh, from having the NCAA first uh, couple of rounds back here in Jacksonville in the next few years either. Yeah, no, I actually was down at the arena uh, on Saturday for the Jacksonville Iceman game, took my son to his first sporting event, and I was thinking about that. But, yeah, when the tournament returns, he'll definitely want to check that out. Brent Beard, First Coast News, and also right here on Hacker After Dark. All right, Brent, let's begin in Gainesville. Spring ball kicks off on Saturday, but the coaching turnover – in the last week has been um, surprising, I guess, to say the least. That includes defensive coordinator Patrick Toney, who left for the NFL. That includes wide receiver coach Kerry Colbert, who left for the NFL. Brent, your reaction to three Gator coaches leaving a week before spring ball? Yeah, I mean, I understand that it's not a uh, a real good look, but I, I do think Patrick Toney – uh, among coaches is a is looked upon as a better coach than the talent that he had uh, also showed um, William Piegler also went to the tight ends coach uh, ended up going to Arizona too maybe the biggest loss they had was Kerry Colbert the wide receivers coach who went to uh, uh, Denver. Now there's uh, some guesses on who might replace Colbert. Justin Stepp of South Carolina. Uh, the name James, Jeff Scott, believe it or not, to come up. Not think he's going there, but he's back on the Clemson staff. Uh, he was uh, the coach at South Florida. That did not work at all. Uh, Dallas Baker's name has been mentioned. Who's a wide receiver coach at Baylor, by the way? Um, so that that's interesting. Uh, and again, we're not saying he's going either. But I will say this: the 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 pickup of Austin Armstrong is a really good one. He was in Alabama for a cup of coffee before he was at Southern Miss. He was the coordinator at Southern Miss. Young guy, really bright. Uh, has an incredible future, uh, a lot of people believe. Uh, so that that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but but 
uh, he makes up for, for uh, somewhat of the losses. Now, Corey Raymond, who is maybe their best recruiter, is going to be the secondary coach, I understand. Um, he only worked with cornerbacks last year. Now, the point you bring up here um, is a good one because um, there have been 17 Division I assistants that have left for NFL jobs this year. Cardinals have hired four, Broncos three, New England two, and and the, the Panthers have hired two. Now, some of this is college coaches not wanting to deal with the insane recruiting calendar right now and NIL uh, and the other issues that are going along with it. Um, but again, uh, and the thing we uh, misery loves company, uh, and Miami is going through basically the same thing. I mean, they just lost their defensive end coach Rod, Rod Wright uh, to the uh, Houston Texans uh, too. So, and as as difficult as it's been for Florida, Miami hadn't got the attention, and I, and and I talked to. Uh, uh, several members of the media I had a chance to go up and visit with my brother a couple weekends ago, went to the Alabama-Georgia basketball game and talked to some media there about uh, some of the different teams and, and was told that um, uh, that Miami may, uh, with the staff may be in as bad or worse shape as Florida is. But, I mean, your point's a good one. Um, spring practice is coming up. They've got to get these uh, uh, voids filled and filled pretty quickly. Uh, but I, and I get the fact that Florida fans who are concerned too. But that, that, that that's kind of an overview of, of where we are with assistant coaches right now, all over the place. Brent Beard, First Coast News. You also get him right here weekly on Hacker After Dark on Ten Ten XL. Brent, quickly because we got to move to Florida State, but Florida, maybe this is a get-off-my-lawn moment here. Austin Armstrong's 29 years old. 29 years old. Yeah. I mean, is there any concern that a 29-year-old is the defensive coordinator for the Florida Gators? Well, uh, normally I would say probably, but the I mean, what I've heard about this guy from several people uh, it is and and they are in various different jobs in college football. Uh, it is the guy is really going to be tremendous. Uh, I mean, they had numbers at Southern Miss. They haven't had in a while. They led their look. I, I get the conference there, uh, and it's not the SEC, but their numbers defensively uh, and takeaways and and uh, so forth were really good. So. Uh, I, I'm, that, that, that's what I hear about him. And, and my understanding is if Nick Saban may have gave him a co-defensive coordinator role, he may have stayed at Alabama. Yeah, interesting. He was at Southern Miss, like you said. He stopped by for a cup of coffee there in Tuscaloosa before he took the job with the Florida Gators and Billy Napier, who he knows Napier from their time together at Louisiana. All right, Brent, let's go to Tallahassee. Quickly, uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference teams, particularly Florida State and Clemson, do not seem to be happy about finances. A.D. Michael Alford over there at Florida State goes in front of a board of trustee meeting late last week and basically says this cannot continue to happen with other conferences, particularly the SEC, 
and their contracts with TV and whatnot, in essence, $30 million more than what the ACC teams are getting. That's just not uh, sustainable. ACC teams and Florida State's point is we cannot survive if Florida and Georgia and Alabama and the teams we're competing with for these recruits are getting tens of millions of more dollars from their conference deal than we're getting. They certainly have a point, Brent. The question is, what, if anything, can the ACC do about that? Uh, that that's the thing everybody's asking. I, I mean, these numbers are staggering. The SEC got uh, $811 million per year with their new ESB and ABC deal. The Big Ten closer to $1.1 billion, billion hack in the ACC at two forty. Uh, $240 million. I mean, those numbers are unbelievable. The grant, the, 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 the real problem here, there's two problems here. The, the problem immediately is their lack of funds. As far, I mean, it's not like they're poor, but they're getting nowhere near what the SEC and the Big Ten is getting. The real problem here is, uh, is they made this grant of rights deal that lasts until 2036. Now, they did the grant of rights deal to get ESPN to fund the ACC network and, and, and also to keep, uh, the, uh, like, FSU, Miami, Clemson you know, within the league. Uh, now, the interesting thing here is um, no one really has um, uh, tried to sue the ACC to get out of this. But I will tell you this. Um, there are uh, smart people in all these schools who are looking at this grant of right deal, see if there's a loophole in it uh, that they can get out. But, but, but here's the other thing that's so bad about it is it, it, it lasts until 2036, and this, the, the conferences, if you can believe this, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to also renegotiate even another contract before the ACC gets to do that in 2036, uh, Hack, uh, would you would you say that is the definition of a bad deal? It's a terrible deal. And look, Michael Alford's not a dumb guy. Uh, you no. know, p- people understand that. You know, internally this was a problem. When you no. go public like that at a board of trustee meeting, and you know that that's going to make national news, and it did, and yes. it continues to. That was floated out there for a reason. He wants the ACC no to know. They're not happy, and they potentially might be looking around a little bit. Well, here's the problem with that, is my understanding. This is what they've got to see if they can that, that, that they can break. Is and I'll give football scoops some credit for this. Um, and and they said what they said was even if FSU went independent and had a dream schedule that the problem would be uh, um, that whatever media revenue that they got from all that dream schedule would still go to the ACC. So uh, that's your reality that they're trying to deal with. But suffice to say, as you said, and and you can't blame them, can you, Hack? They're they're having to look hard at this uh, to to see where this is going to go. And I can tell you this, if this Grand Rides deal was up like next year, uh, the the ACC would have a really difficult time 
holding on to several schools in that conference. You get Brent Beard on First Coast News. You also get him right here weekly on 1010XL on Hacker After Dark. All right, Brent, as we wrap up with you, let's do rapid fire. There are three SEC quarterbacks. They're going to take center stage this week at the Combine. Two are going to throw and do all the drills. The other one has announced that he's not. I want to get a quick thought from you on each guy. Uh, We'll start with Will Levis at Kentucky because NFL scouts, Brent, they seem to love this guy. Well, he's a a physical specimen. He can run when he needs to. The problem with Will Levis in a nutshell is he starts a season off well, then he throws interceptions, and then he gets uh, his mind right, and and he plays much better. The problem there is can he stop making the turnovers that that I hope don't stop him from being a superstar. Look, he's got all the dimensions, the height, the he weight, does. the arm strength. He does. Does he have it mentally? That's kind of been the question with him. Like you said, he's a guy that'll throw a pick, and then sometimes he goes into a shell for a little bit, and he's got yes. to work out those kinks, no question about it. Bryce Young, Brent, your guy from Alabama, is not going to throw. He is still projected to be quarterback one in this draft. We'll see after the combine if anything changes. But clearly, Bryce Young appears to have all the tools you would want to be an NFL quarterback, except maybe maybe an issue with his height is going to hold him back a little bit. Well, and I think he needs to get a little more muscular. I don't mean he needs, he needs to gain 20 to 30 pounds necessarily, uh, but, but I think that's going to come up too. Uh, now, the other thing is he, he got hurt during the season in the Arkansas game in his shoulder, and that held him back. He really wasn't healthy until uh, the bowl game, frankly, uh, but, but that should not be an issue with him either. Um, look, he has all the intangibles, uh, and, and, I, and the league will be smart if they don't hold his height against him. Uh, now, look, he, he's not much taller than Nick Saban. I can tell you that because I've seen him on the field together. But but the reality is, it, it, as far as improvising, as far as making smart decisions, as far as having the arm, he has all the tools, uh, and it will be a fabulous NFL quarterback one day. Brent, leave us with this. Why is there such a disconnect between the college football guys, media, et cetera, and the NFL draft guys, media, et cetera, when it comes to Anthony Richardson? I think they think that the NFL can take him uh, and make him into a great quarterback. I, I, look, I hope that happens, but heck, my my concern with Richardson is um, uh, there are times he made elite plays, but he didn't make enough of them. My my tr- my struggle with him has always been uh, that uh, it, it, that. He'll make an elite play, and then on third and eight, he'll throw the ball seven yards uh, and can't get it to the receiver. Uh, I mean, the thing I'll never forget about Anthony Richardson was being 9 of 27 and 0 for 11 at one point against Florida State in a game where they really needed. Uh, I'm, look, I, I know they think they can combine the, ar- the arms and the legs and make and make him into a great guy. I don't care who you are. I don't care what level of football is. You've got to be accurate, and that's what's going to determine where he goes. 
is how accurate he's going to be throwing the ball. And, and Hank, I'll be honest with you, my concern for him is if you're not accurate before now, I'm not sure you ever will be. Yeah, look, I love Anthony Richardson's game. Uh, Denny Thompson's his quarterback coach. He's up there in Indy with him. Denny's a good buddy. There is no doubt I am rooting for Anthony Richardson, but I'm also not naive to the fact that there are concerns about his game. And it'll be fascinating to see what happens because there are varying, varying opinions on him depending on who you ask. Brent Beard, you see him weekly on uh, First Coast News. You also hear him weekly here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Brent, the next time you and I talk next week, we will have spring football going on all over the state of Florida and really all over the Southeastern Conference. We'll talk again then, my friend. Can't wait, bud. Take care, okay? And thank you to my friend Brent Beard for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark. The Florida Gators begin spring football on Saturday. Florida State begins spring football on Monday. So both the Gators and the Seminoles inside of a week will be on the field for spring football practice. Well, that'll just about wrap it up. What has been a very busy Thursday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We got a lot of people to thank. Again, Brent Beard, you see him locally on First Coast News. You also get him right here on Hacker After Dark. Thank you to Frank Frangie of the Frangie Show here on 1010XL. He's also the play-by-play voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars for joining us up at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And former Jacksonville Jaguar defensive back Aaron Beasley, Stop by. Really enjoyed Aaron's perspective, not only on the combine and how it's changed from when he did it back in 1996 to where we are today, but Aaron has been a free agent. He knows what that process is like, so previewing free agency with a guy that has lived that was certainly interesting. If you missed that conversation, it'll be on the 1010XL.com on-demand section. We'll be back tomorrow night on a Friday to close out the week, and we will do it all over again. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green in Jacksonville. Thank you for spending part of your Thursday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Thursday And we'll talk to you tomorrow night on a Friday, beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.